again. It's good to see you. I hope that you don't drown out my voice because I've already been talking a good amount this morning. And hopefully that we can lock into this scripture and be fed by God's word. So please open up your Bibles to John chapter 5, verse 1. John chapter 5, verse 1. I love what David Brown stated. He said that this miraculous cure that we're going to look at this morning, this miraculous cure is not recorded by any other of the evangelists. This is only recorded in the gospel account of John. So there's a couple of reasons this story is memorable. The name of the pool, Bethesda, Bethesda, Bethesda. This story has been taught in many, many Sunday schools. So this story, this this man, 38 years, he had been ill. We remember this story of a healing. John MacArthur stated this is not a story of just healing, but it is also the danger of legalism. Sadly, the religious leaders, as we see in verse 16, they're persecuting Jesus. And this persecution was a continuous persecution. The Jews were persecuting him. And meaning the religious leaders, even though they witnessed and heard of his miraculous works. It reminds me of when Israel, in Numbers chapter 14, how while in the wilderness, Israel rebelled. They complained and grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the people, after the Lord brought them out of slavery from Egypt, they started to complain. They were stiff-necked. And they wanted, let's go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back. And the fear of opposition to get to the promised land overwhelmed them and caused them to not trust in the Lord. They were so focused on their problems compared to trusting in the Lord. It got so bad that Israel, they wanted to kill Moses and Aaron by stoning. This is all in Numbers 14 if you want to look at it. In verse 11 God said, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? Moses pleaded as an intercession to the Lord, asking him to remember his promise, which the Lord kept. Granted, there was consequences for their unbelief. Last week, we saw in chapter four, the healing of an official's sick son. Jesus said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Many want to see things and we want to test the Lord compared to the true healing. The true healing, which is cleansing of sin. At the word of Christ, this official son was healed. He trusted in the words of Christ. And so we, too, must be a faithful people. Faith comes by the hearing of God's word as stated in Romans 10, 17. The point is that even though people may see miraculous things or signs, it sadly doesn't mean that they're going to believe. And many do not want God to exist because they want to rule and be the God of their life. They value their sin too much and they want to live in their sin because they love their sin with no regret. Self-exaltation to the T. It's like seeing a precious newborn baby and denying the parents had anything to do with creating the child. 
It's like seeing a beautiful painting that for some reason there's wired in you a sense that knowing that something is beautiful. To see the painting, yet deny there's an artist. To live in creation, yet to deny the creator. Many look at the small gifts, the small graces of God compared to looking at God himself. Last week, I shared a quote by C.S. Lewis where he stated that men are natural praisers. We praise. We praise what we admire most. So therefore, we talk about what we admire most. And unfortunately, a lot of times we can put the gifts ahead of the giver. We can put religion over relationship. We replace the gift of grace with a yoke of legalism and works. And you need to do this and clean yourself up before you come to the grace of God. So let's begin in our passage this morning in John 5. We're going to look at real healing, verses 1 to 3. Verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five rooted columnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. So in verse 1, we see Jesus is going to Jerusalem for one of the feasts of the Jews. The most celebrated feast was the Passover. Remember the, the Passover when um, the angel of death came and, and took the firstborn in, in Israel. And they had to put uh, the blood of a lamb without blemish. They had to put that blood over their door so that angel would pass over them. So remember that. Jesus, he went there simply out of obedience. He knew of the opportunity for good would come, and he saw the ministry he would do, so he went. Many view this water, this pool, as healing water, that whoever goes in first, can then they receive this, this healing. And if this water was causing healing, it would be yet again another unusual occasion of healing in the Bible. So here's a short list of some unusual healings throughout Scripture. Some were healed by a purified pot stew, if you want to write these down, in 2 Kings 4, 38-41. Naaman was healed by washing in the Jordan River in 2 Kings 5, 10-14. One was healed by the touching of bones of Elisha in 2 Kings 13, 20-21. And some were healed, remember in Acts, when the shadow of Peter fell upon them in Acts 5, 14-16. Some were healed when Paul's handkerchiefs were laid upon them in Acts 19, 11 to 12. So God can and does do things in unexpected ways, but something isn't necessarily from God simply because it is unexpected or unusual. So we must remember that these miracles were displayed to advance the kingdom of God. There was true purpose behind why Jesus was doing these healings. We must remember that. Are, the, are there still miracles today? Absolutely. But they are rare. And we must remember to not base our faith off of signs or wonders or miracles, but to base our faith off of what's true, that being the Word of God. We must not trust simply in miracles, but trust in the one who provides them in the first place. And more importantly than taking care of our everyday needs and our physical needs, we can rejoice 
and how much that Christ has done for our eternal needs that have been fulfilled by him. So praise God that we even have the good news. And that's why we're gathered here this morning. So this pool, it had five porches, cloisters, piazzas, or roofed walks in which the sick were laid down. David Brown stated, those that were sick of these bodily diseases took the pains to come far and had the patience to wait a long time because they wanted to be cured. Any of us would have done the same and we ought to do so. But oh, that men were as wise for their souls as they were their physical ailment and as solicitous to get their spiritual diseases healed. We are all by nature impotent folks in spiritual things, blind, halt, and withered. Church, we must mourn our sin and yearn and desire healing from it. And that healing is found in the sacrifice of Christ. True joy and worship of our Savior, 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So now we're going to go to verses 5 and 6 of our passage this morning. Verses 5 and 6, which state, One man was there who had been an invalid, paralyzed, for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want... To be healed. Do you want to be healed? Or some translations say, do you want to be made well? This man was paralyzed. So think, think of how of truly how long that he suffered and he sat there. He sat poolside for 38 years. 38 years he hoped for healing, yet he did not find it. 38 years he sat there. 38 years He seemed to have lost all hope. He was truly disappointed. Why did Jesus choose to heal this man compared to just walking in there and going, and everyone just healed and everyone sprouts up? Why, why Why did he choose this man? Charles Spurgeon stated, A multitude of needy people were there, yet none of them looked to Jesus. None of them looked to Jesus. A blindness had come over these people at the pool. There they were, and there was Christ who could heal them, but not a single one of them sought him. Their eyes were so fixed on that water, expecting it to be trouble. They were so taken up with their own chosen way that the true way was neglected. Many people do this. We can be in such danger of doing this in everyday life. They yearn... They yearn for hope, they yearn for healing, but, but go to the wrong things that will not fulfill their hearts. We go to the wrong things that will not fulfill us. Remember, Jesus said, I have bread you don't know about to do the will of him who sent me. Want to be fulfilled? Trust in the Lord for his will to be done with your life, to be fed by truth. And we can fill that hole Sometimes with innocent things like family, friends, hobbies, work, etc. Or we can fill it with more destructive things. Partying, drugs, alcoholism, 
pornography, sex, greed, gambling, gluttony, stealing, whatever that may be. These people kept their sight off of who could truly heal. Many people wait for something else other than Christ to fulfill. David Guzik stated, some wait for a more convenient season. Some wait for themselves. They think they have to get themselves cleaned up before they can come to Christ. Some wait for a dream or a vision. Some wait for signs and wonders. Some wait to be compelled. Some wait to be argued with. Some wait for a revival. Some wait for a particular warm feeling. Some wait for a celebrity. Some think they can clean themselves by participating in churchy things. Serving, communion, baptism, church attendance, Bible reading, prayer, etc. I'd like to also add so many wait to clean themselves up before coming to Christ before it is too, then it is too late. Brothers and sisters, that's the whole point of the gospel. Christ Jesus transforms your heart. It's by grace you have been saved. He washes and cleanses you of sin. Were those disciplines I mentioned good? Do I encourage you to do them? Absolutely. But you must have the right motivator. There must be faith and heart behind your obedience. All out of love for Christ due to what he has done for us. Grace-filled effort, not salvation-earning works. I want to ask you the same question Jesus asked the paralyzed man. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? I want to share these two points by David Brown. He said, point one, Jesus saw him lie there. Observe, when Christ came up to Jerusalem, he visited not the palaces, but he visited the hospitals. Which is an instance of his humility, tender compassion, and an indication of his great design in coming into the world. Which was to seek and save the sick and wounded and lost. There was a great multitude of poor cripples here at Bethesda. But Christ fastened his eye upon this one and singled him out from the rest. Because he was senior of the house and in a more deplorable condition than any of the rest. And Christ delights to help the helpless and have mercy on whom he will have mercy. Perhaps his companions in tribulation insulted over him because he had often been disappointed of the cure. You know, it almost reminds me of the story of Job and so many hardships were coming. What did his wife say? Curse God and die. Goodness. Therefore, Christ took him for his patient. It is his honor to side with the weakest, to side with the sinner, and bear up those whom he sees run down. Point two, he knew and considered how long that this man had laid in his condition. Those that have been long in affliction may comfort themselves with this, that God keeps account how long and knows our pain. He has compassion. He's with you through that pain. He is with us through suffering. And because he's with us through suffering, therefore, as James 1, 2 to 4 states, we can count it all joy when we face suffering and trials. Suffering and trials are put in your life for these reasons. To 
Strengthen your faith because we are to lean into Christ for refuge and shelter in these storms. Suffering will either strengthen you or it will crush you. It either causes you to be perished into dust or it will form a diamond in you. Don't think all you need to do is get in the pool. Instead, respond to Christ. Do you want to be healed? Brown stated this on the question, do you want to be healed? A strange question to be asked by one or to one that had been ill for so long. Some indeed would not want to be made whole. They would rather wallow in, in their pity. They would rather have an excuse to, to have a victim mindset because they don't want to be healed. And because their sores serve them to beg by and serve them for an excuse for idleness. But this poor man was as unable to go a begging as to work, yet Christ put it to him. To express his own pity and concern for him, Christ is tenderly curious concerning the desires of those that are in affliction. And he's willing to know what is their request, because he said, what shall I do for you? To try him, whether he would be thankful for your cure against whom that other people, they would be prejudiced and sought to prejudice others. They didn't want the healing. Would he care more about what others thought of him because of this healing? Or would he care more about the healing that Christ offers? To teach him to value the mercy and to excite in him desires after it. In spiritual cases, people are not willing to be cured of sins. Remember, we talked about earlier, people so love to cling to their sins, they don't want to be free. They want to stay on the throne. They don't want Christ to be exalted. They would rather be on the throne themselves, just like Lucifer. People may want salvation, but they do not want submission. They do not want to surrender their clutches of sin. And they do not want to let go of their will for their own life. If people were willing to be made whole, the work were half done. For Christ is willing to heal if we would be willing to be healed. Matthew 8, 3. The man who had leprosy went to Jesus for cleansing and he asked Jesus to cleanse him. He trusted that Christ could clean him. What an act of faith. And Jesus responded, I will be clean. So how many of us are sick this morning? How many of us are paralyzed in our sin, blatantly living in it? We value them and cherish our sin over the grace of God. Run to Jesus and he will cleanse you of sin. He will forgive you. How will you respond to this grace? Let's see how this paralyzed man responded. Verses 7 to 9. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed and took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. The reason this man was upset about not being able to get in the pool is that they believed that there was healing water in this pool from angels. That the first, the, when whoever was first to get in, the first of each day would be healed by it. So he had hope that he would be healed by this water. But he would never be able to get to the water in time before others got in. Jesus then told him, get up. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. 
And the paralyzed man displayed faith. He trusted in the words of Christ. David Guzik said, It's easy to imagine that the man's first reaction was, What are you talking about? I can't do that. Why even try? Yet something wonderful prompted the man to say, If this man tells me to do it, I will try. Jesus guided the man towards a response of faith. He was commanded to take up his bed that he might recognize that the cure was permanent. No doubt. Permanent healing compared to the healings that were in this pool that were just a temporary healing. Faith in Christ is what washes us free of sins. It's by his grace that we've been forgiven. Now we have a problem The Jews, meaning the Jewish leaders, verse 10 to 16. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who who healed me, he said, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, and there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. The Jewish leaders were so into their legalism that their interpretation of the commandment of Sabbath, meaning rest and abstaining from work to rest. God provided the Sabbath for our own good, to work for him. But can you rest for him and trust that he will take care of your needs and that he will provide? David Guzik stated, it was not a breaking of God's law of the Sabbath, but the human interpretation of God's law. Jesus consistently throughout the gospel shows us that no matter what day it was, we must be faithful to do what is right in his eyes. We must also not neglect rest. We must not neglect rest either. This is where we must ask God for wisdom and discernment regarding each circumstance that comes to us day by day. To discern if it's an emergency and it's a need right now. Or if it can wait till the next day after you rest. What's frustrating is the Jewish leaders, they didn't care about who was healed. They didn't care about this miracle that just happened. They didn't care. Goodness, I couldn't speak. They didn't care about who healed the paralyzed man. Rather, they cared more about who told him to pick up his mat and walk. Zero compassion. Dead legalism. Music stated also that to the religious leaders, Jesus was the man who broke the Sabbath. To the healed man, Jesus was he who made me well. Now, Jesus found the man he healed and stated, sin no more. This paralyzed man was permanently healed from his physical ailment compared to the pool which gave a temporary healing. Now, why did Jesus state sin no more? Hmm? Let us not think that like the Pharisees, that we can earn our salvation by our works. That we can just all of a sudden by our own willpower be made sinless. That we earn our salvation by of what we have done in our life. And if you think your salvation is that if you think your salvation and your fruit of the spirit and being holy is based off what you've done, you're mistaken. We can get so wrapped up in thinking, I've done all these things. Why aren't you blessing me? 
I've done all these things. Why do I not? Why am I not the way that I ought to be? Isaiah 64, 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean and our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Notice that doesn't say all have sinned but the churchgoers. Notice that doesn't say all have sinned but those who don't murder, that those who don't gossip, that those who don't lie, that that all have sinned but those who, who pray. All have sinned, myself included. We have all fallen short of the glory and the holiness of God. This man may have been physically crippled, but what is worse than being physically crippled is being spiritually crippled for eternity by sin and separation from God. Death, no reconciliation. That's truly crippling. Living in sin leads to death, but the spirit leads to life and peace. Romans 8, 6. Legalism and works do not save. When we sin, we may as well look at it as pouring poison into ourselves. We quench the spirit and harden our hearts when we willingly, when we just willingly sin. And there's no wrestling. And we rebel against God. And we enjoy and affirm sin. That is so dangerous. So how do we do what Jesus said? How do we sin no more? Walk in the spirit. That's all I want to say. Walk in the spirit. What does that mean? For those that trust in Christ, we must bear fruits. We must be attached to the true vine. And those fruits of the spirit are love, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how we judge if someone is truly walking the walk and talking the talk. So how do we bear these fruits? The answer is simple. Abide and rest in Christ. Abide and rest by Christ. You're not going to be more righteous by just saying, I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to try really hard to go cold turkey and I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to sin. We must stay attached to the true vine, that being Christ. So what are some applicable ways to do this? Spend time with him. Talk with him through prayer. Pray with him daily. Praise him daily for who he is and what he's done. That being the joy of the good news. Rejoice. Philippians 4 verse 4. Rejoice. Again, I will say it. Rejoice. Another way besides prayer to spend time with the Lord Spend time with him in his word to be fed. And when you do it, pray to him and ask that he would speak to you through his word and that he would write it on your heart. Psalm 1, blessed is he who delights in his law and meditates on it day and night. Another helpful tool to abide in Christ is fellowship, which is why we're all gathered here this morning. We're to build each other up and encourage one another in the faith. First Thessalonians 5.11, Paul said, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. So here are some tools to help you abide in Christ this week. Prayer, His Word, which is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. 
and fellowship. These are three great ways to give you a starting point to continue to walk in the Spirit and abide in Christ. And then if you're tired of the fight, if you're grieved and mourning over your sin, I have good news for you this morning. If you're tired of wrestling, the words of Jesus, He stated Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. This is for those of you that think, I have to do all these things. I need to, I need to be better. I, I'm not what I ought to be. You are just to rest and be faithful. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. These are the words of Christ. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. There's a flip side to this. For those of you, if you take advantage of his grace and you look at Jesus as a get out of jail free card ticket to keep sinning. I want to remind you that we are to be the light in the world. We are to be different from the darkness. Romans 6, 1 to 2. What shall we say then? Are we continuing sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Salvation, we're getting ready to close here soon. Salvation is secured by Christ Jesus. But are you continually living in sin deliberately due to God's grace? The gift of salvation through Christ, we must remember his words, sin no more. How do we do that? Abide in him. And I'm not telling you this morning either that you're going to be perfect and sinless. That you're not going to have times where you mess up. That you're not going to have times where you get knocked down by your sin. But remain faithful. Get back up. Keep fighting. Hang in there. We must be a people who live for Christ. A people who believe in Him. And a people that repent. Meaning, turn away from sin. Wrestling with sin. Obedience to Christ is better than momentary shallow pleasures of this life. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. He will change your heart's affections. Compared to desiring sin, let us desire Christ. Desire holiness. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but like chaff, the wind blows it away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish Ruth Clark told me when I uh, I'm sorry when I went to see her she quoted me Philippians 121 to live as Christ to die is gain. We were dead, but made alive by Christ. He has forgiven you of sins. He washed you clean. Trust in Him. Live for Him. Because it is greater to live for eternal things compared 
to temporary earthly things compared to temporary healings from the pool, eternal healings only from Christ. If you desire true healing, if you desire to live for Christ, I want to encourage you to pray. Pray as a family at home, faith at home, faith during the Monday through Saturday. Pray that Christ would work in your heart to be obedient to him, to stay attached to him, that he would draw near, that he would help you to flee from sin and to bear fruit to the spirit. Not legalism, not taking up advantage of his grace and living deliberately in sin, but to have faith so that when you are in times like with what I saw the other day, that you can still quote, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Joy is not just a feeling. Joy is knowing and trusting in what is true. That is the word of God. And there is freedom from sin in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, those that were dead in sin have been made alive in Christ and we are raised up. We are raised up, not a raising up, but you are raised up. It's done. When Christ was on the cross, he said, it is finished. And he conquered death and displayed his glory that he is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. Trust in him. Put your faith in his name. Flee from sin. Live for Christ. If you want to be truly healed, go to the healer. Go to Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you and we thank you that we have been credited your righteousness because you lived the holy, sinful life that we could not, that I could not. And that you would have loved us so much that you were tortured and maimed. You had a crown of thorns pressed into your skull. and You were lashed. And your blood was spilled and you were hung on that tree. And because what you did with that offering that you drank the cup of wrath because of you and you alone, Lord, we are forgiven. You're alive and help us to rejoice in this truth, that being the gospel every day so that we can be faithful witnesses. Help us to respond to your question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? In Jesus' name, walk with us, Christ. Amen.